0: On the Journeys of Belonging to Blackness, blackness, I'm India Lorik Wilmot. Nobody else can do this job. Yet. You're listening to the podcast, Talking Journeys of Belonging to Blackness. Joining us today is Chef Keisha O'Galdez. Keisha is a culinary artist and educator, a natural foods private chef, and entrepreneur based in New York City with clients along the East Coast. Previously, she was an information systems engineer that worked in the nonprofit, academic, public, and financial sectors for several years, but whose entrepreneurial spirit goaded her to pursue her passion for culinary arts full-time. Since completing the chef's training program at the Natural Gourmet Institute for Culinary arts in New York City, Keisha has graced kitchens as either a pastry chef in restaurants as Smith Canteen in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, Amy's Bread, and Smile to Go in Soho, or as a catering chef at Patina Events and Oliver Chang. In the midst of this work, Keisha's entrepreneurial spirit kicked in, and she founded and currently serves as executive chef of the Gourmet Diva, which focuses on organic, vegetarian, vegan, and other health. Supportive Diets. She is also the recent recipient of the Dooney Fund, which supports Black women entrepreneurs. You may have seen Chef Keisha on multiple episodes of Epicurious's 50-Person Prep Challenge web series, which has over 10 million views alone. Looking forward to learning more about healthy eating with Chef Keisha. Welcome. Thank you for having me today. Well, I'm really excited to have you on this podcast, particularly interested in unpacking the stories of African descendants and the stories they tell about themselves and their journeys too. I have been following you and your culinary delights for some time now. And I've been intrigued by your efforts to educate African descended and other people of color on accessing and eating healthy, natural food options, including vegetarian and vegan meals, especially when these communities oftentimes live in food deserts. I'm eager to learn about your journey. So are you ready? I'm ready.
1: Right about now,
0: Act One Call to Adventure This is the Breakdown Keisha, there are paths that we take and processes we engage in to get us to where we are today. Sometimes those paths are, or processes are emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and so on. How did you become interested in doing the work you do
1: today? I know it's definitely been a journey. i um, just actually looking back. This year marks the 10-year anniversary of graduating from culinary school. As you mentioned, I went to the Natural Gourmet you know, Institute in New York, where the school actually focused on more vegetarian, holistic cooking. And prior to that, I was a consultant at Bank of America. So it's the transition is usually a story of how I went from engineering to culinary arts. Definitely a lot of different transitions throughout the way. My need to always give back or just be in a support system. Then after a while, I was like, all right, I want to make some money. So I kind of went corporate. (laughs) But then in 2008, when the market crashed, everybody was laid off. So that was definitely one of the pinnacle points of me going into the culinary industry. That, you know, moment where I'm like, I don't really want to go back to corporate America and figure out something and some way to, you know, make it on my own. Keisha, when did this all start for you? When I started just baking cakes, I was talking to people more about, you know, selling cakes and everything, kind of what I'm doing. But more people started talking about their health concerns, like, oh, I'd love to support you, but I'm diabetic. I'd love to support you, but I am eat a little bit healthier. And that kind of piqued my interest more about healthy cooking.
0: Other people considered the ways they ate, but what about the ways in which you ate?
1: Cook for myself and, you know, it's a way of life. You go, go home and you make dinner, but then you realize a lot of people don't have the skill set broadly eat healthier. Like, fruits and vegetables are kind of like, ugh, I don't, you know, really. Within like the first year or so, just knowing that I can cook, I wanted to do better. So I decided to go to the National Gourmet Institute just to learn more about the connection about what we eat and how we feel.
0: Well, definitely the journey to being healthier. I mean, when many of us have been relegated to our home spaces due to the global pandemic, really raises one's awareness. About about, well, what is it that I typically have in my household? What is it that I'm consuming? How can I be a little bit healthier and avoid putting on the COVID pounds. What you're raising about the fact that, you know, unfortunately a lot of people in the United States tend to have chronic health conditions, even though we are one of the most industrialized countries in the world, it's ironic. And and when you really think about the ways in which we function on our day-to-day, even before the global pandemic, we have these back-to-back meetings. We're in the space of grab and go. We're consuming items so that we don't get that hunger ahead sometimes just that habit of the grind, many people do not slow down and take the time to say, well, what is it that I'm actually putting into my mouth at this moment? And is it really the best food option? To eat healthy is also very expensive. It's easier to go and get something from the dollar menu at your local fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. than to stand someplace and spend basically twelve dollars
1: for one of those salads that they weigh. <laughs> exactly, and that's no conversation as well. Of why does it cost so much to you know eat healthy? And then go back and forth like, all right, fine. I'll spend the money now because I don't want to be in the hospital. People with the diaspora, like most of the conditions we have, be controlled by the things that we eat. Why not take back that power? Diabetes, high blood pressure, Eat, a little, change your diet just a little bit or be more cognizant of what we're eating. You don't have to go through taking pills. It definitely is a mind game. You know, fat tastes good, salt and all that, you know, great stuff, but it's kind of demystifying that healthy food tastes bad. How can
0: African descendants demystify food?
1: Who can we look to? You know, even a lot of our ancestors they you know exactly a lot of root vegetables and you think about yams and plantains and all the types of greens but then like i said in such an industrial society why are we eating crap now our lives are just filled we're busy going 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 what does every meeting have the morning muffins and coffee just evenly and change like can you have a fruit platter at least but we're still trained you know you're supposed to have it certain things birthdays you have your cake and you're not saying you can't have treats every now and then but is that awareness to say, you know, I can do better.
0: A lot of people who don't necessarily have access to the variety of different Mm -hmm. kinds of foods that we can consume. And I think sometimes as a result, even from childhood, some people's palates aren't very well developed. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like the only green vegetable they may consume is broccoli. (laughs) And so then when they get into adulthood and then someone is saying or encouraging them, you know, hey, there are other inexpensive, but alternatives to broccoli, it's like, oh, I don't do that. Or I don't eat that. Or I got to have some pork fat mixed up in there. And I'm not (laughs) getting on the pork fat. I love me some pork fat, but you can see oftentimes the inequality that manifests. But what I'm curious, and I think our listeners will be too, is that if if you think back to your childhood and growing up, what are who motivated you to become a chef or help to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit? Because I think it's one thing to say, I'm an engineer. I work as a consultant. Who bake? But for you, you made that leap.
1: I always admired kids who, who were very adamant. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer growing up. And I'm like, ah. I grew up in the Bronx in New York. Two parents from, who were from Belize in Central America came over here to make sure their kids had a better life. And that whole story so both my parents didn't really cook. I kind of took on that duties of cooking. For the family.
0: Okay, so a busy immigrant household, but what's your relationship with food?
1: Food is definitely in my DNA. Most of my aunts, they do cook, but in my immediate cluster of my parents and my sister, I was the one that provided food. So just learning how to cook from the back of a box, literally, good at it, but it wasn't really something I felt necessarily passionate about or that I would ever, ever make a career of it. I always was good at math and science, so in honors classes, so they kind of pushed me towards math and science career, finding and used to love watching you know a Different World with Dwayne Wayne. He was an engineer. I'm like, okay, that seems kind of cool. I'm put this down. I'll be an engineer. Then went to school um, at the University of Buffalo. And I never cooked in college. So you can ask anybody who went to undergrad with see me as a chef now. They're like, how the hell did that happen?
0: <laughs> and this is all before social media, but why would people be surprised?
1: It wasn't something that people knew that I could do. And I wasn't really one to talk like, yeah I cooked this yesterday. It was just you cooked as you had to eat. Fast forward in you know my twenties exactly same thing. You got to cook to, you know, fend for yourself. But then also, yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit was in a lot of people that I knew around me because you talk about generational wealth. You know, you have your nine to five, but you always have like a side hustle. It was like a year out of college, started working in IT and I didn't like the cube life at all. I was like, this is just not for me. How'd you know it wasn't for you? The conditions of how I'm working isn't it. I want to go in from nine to five. I don't want my mandated 12 o'clock lunch and doing that day in, day out. I'm like, oh my God.
0: And what about when you worked in the nonprofit sector?
1: And I enjoyed it. There's more like for me working for more of a mission. So it's just kind of going through life figuring out yourself. I need to wake up in the morning, and feel like, Oh, I can create something and just go and do it. I don't need to fill out twenty million forms to get something done.
0: What would you say was that point professionally that urged you to shift into the food industry?
1: Being laid off was kind of putting a dog out of her misery and just kind of having that what do I like to do? What you like to do in your, you know, sleep. And that's when I was starting, you know, to bake more. And your entrepreneurial spirit. Kicked in. Try to give somebody else advice, even though you do like to cook to be able to do it under pressure and to think about it through the lens of money and how you want to monetize it, it's a whole different ballpark.
0: What do you mean by that? A difference between business and a hobby or passion project?
1: Because you may be passionate about something, but it's not something you necessarily want to do as a business. Like I love nature, but I have no ambition to have a hiking company. But realizing what I'm great at is looking at the numbers, looking how to cook under pressure and to replicate things. And once you start to talk about the business of food, food is the minute part of the business, you talk about client relations, menu development, and then you're executing on food.
0: Wow. There's so many small moving parts to this industry.
1: It was always those little elements around and then kind of putting together, I like, guess I'm actually, am built for entrepreneurship and food is the conduit, you know, for me to express it. And it's, the field is so vast. It, you can always find a home in it, either in a restaurant, opening up a restaurant, having a catering business, a food blog, food photography, finding yourself, or figuring yourself out, being
0: Laid off gave you the space to recalibrate and to think about what your next move is. And by observation, it seems to me that you know there are certain elements around math and science that's already embedded in germane to culinary works and being able to be creative. You're just
1: activating a different part of your brain to execute. Yeah. What was that leap of faith that you took? Right, I could have went back to finding a job. And I when I actually thought about that moment, I think I broke down crying. I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to go through the interviews. That was a struggle point. Like, it's just having that leap of faith, having faith in yourself. If it fails, guess what? There are, you know, jobs out there. And this is kind of that moment in time where like, you know what? I wouldn't have left my job to do this. I think it's a sign. Use it as that point where, you know what? Yeah, I have that time. Yet it's also like a a blessing in disguise. I think COVID for me now is kind of reflective of you have that moment too, even through all the disasters that are, you know, is happening to take that moment is what you're doing now, what you want to be continue doing. You
0: know, that whole leap of faith is also, about overcoming the fear and pursue something else. And I think that was your entrepreneurial spirit driving to say, this is not the
1: end. And it's and it's definitely just the beginning. And it's definitely hard even going through the beginning of my culinary career to say, you know, I'm going to work for like $12 an hour at 30 something years old. That's a humbling moment to say, okay, if well, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to be able to go out. I'm not going to be able to save as much as I would normally would. Really having that faith and overcoming a lot of fear. You know, it's not... An absolute, and also kind of defining your own success. And what about seeds of doubt? You always have this—the seeds of doubt. Like, oh my God, because you know you always see these little eggs make sure you, you know, you have $100,000. This is your six-figure business or whatever, or seven-figure, you know, business. And if you're not making that, then you're a failure. Who wants to feel like a failure? You know, so define what, why you want to have your business. Is it for money? Is it for the flexibility? You know, why are you really understanding your why? That would kind of, you know, push you through it. For me, it's definitely the freedom. More so the freedom to move to the beat of my own drum. But being an entrepreneur, it may not be a right way. It's only the right way for you and your business and to understand that
0: be what you want to see act two the road So, Keisha, at this part of the show, I always like to ask my
1: guests, what is your passion? Say, building powerful and purposeful partnerships through the medium of food. It's so broad, but yet, you know, encompasses, you know, everything that I, you know, do, I love.
0: Okay, so break that down for us.
1: Talking to people about food and working with different companies and kind of figuring out how can I, you know, magnify their, you know, mission, making those different connections. As long as what I'm creating is underneath that umbrella, I know I'm in the right area.
0: I think of food in the same way as I think of music. Like with music, when you hear a particular song, you feel transported to a particular time. There's certain emotions that get triggered, certain memories that get triggered. Well, I, I think the same way about food also. You might smell something, you may taste it, and you're like, oh, I know what this because the last time I had this or something similar to this, it was when this loved one made this for me. There are all these connections that people make around food. You know, there's a lot of purposefulness in your efforts to engage people. How do you use food when you have corporate clients? How do you help or use food to help them express or achieve their mission?
1: So one case, I have a a pop-up dinner series, supper and Sip. And that's really one, one great example of have a theme. And so I can bring in different sponsors. I'm really meticulous. It's very exactly curating an experience. Who you work with, what does their mission... Mean and does it all, you know, come together? So my last dinner was a winter wild, and it was more about women's empowerment. Even the venue that I chose is very light and airy, and you know, having you know, dance. Instructor and making women feel powerful at the end of the day. Yes, I could have just have a dinner, hear some food and, you know, peace be with you. But to really think about what do I want people to experience and using food as a backdrop for it. Or even the vendors you choose, you know, to work with. And I do have that power. Black women, Black men, you know, whoever, or just give somebody opportunity in this industry. You know, or even when I work with my corporate clients, you know, really understanding, you know, where they want to get out of, a, you know, having a personal chef. For you,
0: how do you decide to shift Show up in culinary
1: spaces as a Black person, specifically as a Black woman. You do have to be conscious. Like, I am a Black woman. And it's more so, I guess, a class thing as a a color thing. You know, people who are hiring you. I'm a luxury item. People who can afford to hire you do, you know, have definitely worth a couple of million dollars. And how do you show up? You have to know how to walk the walk and understand the world they live in and even... Explains to people, like even family members, like, wait, she's a private chef cooking for white people. I mean, it you can have this whole mammy feel at times like, well, I'm getting paid well, just in case you, you want to know, but I can see the whole perception of exactly a black woman cooking for predominantly white men. Sometimes I can play mind games on you, but I don't think the client understands what's going through your mind as a black woman cooking for, you know, a white person, like or being transported to, you know, another point in time. It is a different climate. Just knowing that this is a client business relationship. If I ever feel at some point there's any race, racial undertones or anything, then I know this is not the place for me. I'm blessed to have clients where you acknowledge rape, but it's not, you're not looking at me in a certain way. And the restaurants is different because you don't see that many Black women, probably the only one. So either as a woman or as a Black woman, so you can, you know, both of of it. But I've been blessed to have worked with different women in positions of leadership, also to be in environments where it is supportive. You know, you do hear a lot about the, you know, sabotage and the the negative stuff that comes out of restaurants, but not every kitchen is like that. Just find the right kitchen that works for you.
0: How would you connect these experiences to what's happening now with Black Lives Matter?
1: In the scope of, you know, Black Lives Matter, I'm glad that people are looking to support Black women businesses. Like never before, like more grants are, you know, coming open and is just really noticing that there is a problem and if they do want to build, you know, blacknesses. Definitely it was not there before.
0: Although we have these different social movements that quite frankly, the issues that they're raising are things that have existed for a very long time, where you have sexual impropriety and people using, you know, power differentials for sexual gain or or to engage in sexually oppressive practices. And then you also have the fact that black lives matter and that many of our structures and institutions don't acknowledge that. It is, you're right, prompting more open and very direct dialogue around the inequities that persist and the ways that even in instances these Intersect.
1: Exactly. It's kind of brutal. It really is. And you talk about, you know, women's, you know, issues like you work on average in a restaurant 12 hours a day, work-life balance, having time off, adequate childcare. It's a lot that even being a woman, you know, of color, at least these conversations are being had and actions are being taken.
0: We've been experiencing the pandemic of COVID-19. And so how has COVID specifically impacted you and your food education work? Are you seeing certain kinds of trends ways in which people are reaching out to you to help educate folks around food even in the midst of this pandemic
1: definitely took more of an online not doing as much you know personal chefing you know hate using the p word but you know enjoy the the pivot and being able to connect to different people People I would not have normally reached out to, you know, vice versa, people reaching out. But I think it's more about how to be connected to people just on a human level and how to do it through social media, through different online events, you know, to help people, and you know, just have a good time. And just if I'm able to make somebody smile, you know what, my job is done. (laughs) So, give us an example of that. I just did, a, you know, a cooking challenge where I focused in on natural foods. You know, it wasn't the overt message, but all the ingredients that different chefs I worked with were, you know, different fruits and you know vegetables. Nothing that's you know crazy like it was a sweet potato or you know basil. So just get yourself open to different you know ingredients or ingredients that you may be used, to, but maybe preparing them in a different way and seeing how different people prepare them may hopefully inspire you to, you know, get into the kitchen. It's interesting to watch people cook because it tells a lot about themselves. Really? In what ways? Some people don't like to follow instructions. You can give them a recipe and like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Nope. Here we go. I'm going to freestyle it. And then you want to know why the dish may not turn out the way you liked it or some people are apprehensive. Food and how you approach it does tell a lot about yourself and I love it.
0: (laughs) You have been in several web challenges, including the Epicurious Challenge with over mm-hmm. 10 million views. If you didn't know yourself and you're watching yourself, what would you watching yourself Ooh. tell about
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just want to put the script on me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I de- I'm definitely one who likes to follow a recipe, and I think that goes back into that engine, that science math. I want to follow it to a T and see how it turns out. Mom's, I have to tell myself, let it go, just flow. Definitely more savory food that I, you can you can do more free solid baking is more. You need to follow that precision, you know, down pack.
0: I'm a huge fan of the Food Network. And so when I sometimes will watch the program Cha, there are no recipes, like literally yep. to follow to a T. That is completely freestyle. So, you know, if by chance you have someone who is listening in and they are from the Food Network, is this something that you would love to do? Or will your math science brain just sort of go like, oh my gosh, there are all these other competitive elements of are happening and then you got to create this dish in like 25 minutes
1: i watch those shows you know every now and then. i'm like oh hells no never want to you know do that but then it makes you think about food in a different light but then the, yet yeah, the whole time thing is definitely reflective of in the real world as a chef like you know you gotta get these dishes out at a certain point in time not sitting there ah, oh, i just want to you know be whimsical like no Let's go, Let's, you know, throw something in and kind of just let yourself go through that, that process quickly, quickly. Like for me, I like to kind of all over menus, but that is a whole different, you need to really whip it into you know, action.
0: So I think in theory, you would be intrigued by the opportunity, but you're like, for my mental health and sanity, that's not a <laughs> good fit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it would be, because like, I'm always saying that you always have to have new challenges in your life to overcome. I would probably say no, but then yeah, like, no, you probably might regret it in the future. Mm. So definitely take it, and because you never know where anything leads you to. To know that it's not you're not going to be cooking always under the perfect circumstances, especially mm. in catering. You don't have a full fledged stove. You're cooking on sterno's in a back corner somewhere in a in a garage. Is that optimal? No, but you make it happen. Mm. So if you definitely have a passion for food kind of figure out do you where you want how you want to express your love for food
0: so then what what lessons have you learned along the way
1: finding a mentor in regards to starting a business you don't have to go at it alone working with a mentor or like a business coach usually i see those upticks and growth quickly as opposed to trying to tackle it by myself or just being a little silo you know the kind of thing when you're working by yourself by people you're talking to is yourself to get you know different effective and also from somebody who's been there like seen this before they know what you're going through frame of reference to how you want to you know tackle that problem most of us try to do it by ourselves and you just end up not moving as fast or as far as you could have One big lesson, having a support group that gets it. You can have your friends and family for that, just friends and family, but yet having a support group of business-minded people, because the conversations are totally different. In what ways? You know, for me growing up, we did not talk about, you know, P&L statements or, you know, how the best market. Those are not conversations you always would have with your friends and family, but sometimes you need to be in a different you know, group of people to have those conversations.
0: Where would one get a mentor? How does one find it when the field itself is so competitive and, you know, people want you to be good, but not better than them?
1: And I t- it's, it's true. Like you, you have to kind of figure out who has your best interests at heart. Even your peers can be your mentors. Like for me, I worked in different catering companies. so I'm able to kind of bounce around. So able to see different, from the culinary aspect, how different businesses operate. So it may not be a formal mentorship, but you're getting something out of it. You know, you're offering your services as work and, you know, you're seeing how things, you know, happen. Then you can meet different chefs, who are either at the same level or above, you may not say like, hey, I want you to be my mentor. But there is that mentor relationship. I think for me, being around people who like to show what they can do. If you just ask, nine out of 10 times, most people would are very helpful. In larger companies, it does have that competitive because it's only one person to be on top. You know, working more traditional company, yes, there's only one executive chef. There's only figuring out, am I ever going to get to that leadership point? You might not. Within that respective company, you may have to leave. There's different culinary you know organizations that you can join culinary alliances that you can not find you know mentors and if you look for somebody specifically and that's what their organization is developed to do to mentor women in the, in the hospitality, you know, industries. If you can't find one with any respective organization, you can find one in a professional, you know, organization. Instagram. If you see people's pictures, just reach out and DM them. And I think that's kind of the great thing about social media. People are a lot more accessible. A lot of chefs are friendly people, for the most part. I guess there are a bunch of douchebags, you know, out there. But fine, if they don't respond or they say heck no, you know, keep trying. Get it, get it, get it.
0: Act three. Where we land. Keisha, what are you most excited about personally and professionally? Are there particular projects? Uh, ventures that you are currently engaged in. Can people kind of tap in, learn more about you, learn more about these works, and what you have going on?
1: And yeah, definitely, a lot of stuff I do is on um, Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram at Gourmet Diva, you can always see what new projects and events that are, you know, popping up. Different partnerships that you know definitely be formed, and different cooking classes are in the works as, as well. And if anybody wants to reach out to have me, you know, as a virtual cooking cook, you know, feel free to you know reach out, and definitely excited about things that we can create. And staying flexible is one huge aspect, as we don't know what this virus and what our landscape is going to look like. But definitely for me is you know, staying flexible with what I can do.
0: And where can people find you? What's your social media
1: handle and what's your website? Sure. My website is the- www.thegourmetdiva.com and also on Instagram as Gourmet Diva. Perfect. And so hopefully we'll get to see cookbook. Like a cookbook is on the list somehow. I want some like an anthology maybe of different women powerful women have them put recipes into this book or something. So something creative will come out of it.
0: (laughs) Stay tuned on that. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chef Keisha, for all of your jewels, gems of knowledge and information that can help folks who are interested in pursuing their passion around culinary arts in a very formal way. I think your entrepreneurial spirit really helps to speak to just the ways in which we can be creative, not only in terms of our choices for our fields and what we want to pursue, but just even the kinds of activities that. we engage in. So this was really lovely. This was fun. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you
0: for having me. (laughs) There you have it. The journey isn't over, but this episode is. Until next time, peace.